Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, a great joy to be here with you. As the Lord allows us this time, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live Eastern Time at 4 p.m. And I'm happy you are here, and I pray you are enjoying this uh, lovely January day. It's cold out, but um, beautiful day, so I hope you're, you're enjoying it. Here we are the, to the second half of January already, uh, but I thank God, my brothers and sisters, for you and for being a part of my day and allowing me to be a part of your day and share this good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know. You know, it's I, 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 there's a lot going on um, in the world. <laughs> I was thinking about it today. I had the news on just to see what's, what's happened. I've trying to stay away from the news, but had the news on and hear, hearing about all of the preparations they're making for the inauguration tomorrow with all of the National Guard's troops and security and uh, threats and rumors of threats and suspicions of threats uh, to what's going on and how people are going to react and respond. And a lot of little things today, I was just in my own, you know, doing things here uh, and going online and looking at various news stories and trying to find some good material to share with you today. And uh, the world has become a very, very um, dark place in so many ways, hasn't it? And and I, you look over the, the past uh, 50 years or so, and you see the spiraling down of integrity, uh, honesty, uh, charity, just, and really it is an absence of God in people's lives. It's it's them, individuals and and societies and cultures and just putting God out and left a great void for the enemy to take over. But well, we'll talk about that because I, I want to talk about discipleship today. And, and the Holy Father on um, sun, Sunday I have here, it's his, I guess it's his Angelus message. Um, and he was talking about the greatest joy for every believer is responding to God's call. So I thought today we'd talk about discipleship. You know, we are we are the remnant church here, I believe, right now. If you're watching this program or listening to the program and you make Domestic Church Media Catholic Radio a part of your day, or you watch on YouTube or Facebook, however we present this information to you, and you're trying to build up your faith and try to enter into this culture uh, of faith that we have here, it's because... You are, and we all are, trying to remain faithful to our baptismal call. 
And we have a big job ahead of us because we have an entire world <laughs> to convert. Not impossible because nothing is impossible with God and we can be his instruments in the world and we are. So I want to share some of this with you. The greatest joy, Holy Father Pope Francis said, for every believer is to respond to God's call. And then in, in, in a, as a, an add-on to that, I was looking, just doing some searching, and there's an organization out there called Catholic Missionary Disciples to lead, to evangelize, and to be a disciple. And they list 12 marks of discipleship. So if we feel like we're not really doing everything we're called to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I'll go over these 12 steps or these 12 marks and see maybe where we need to do a little extra work, myself included. All right, so stay with us. We're going to pray first. And um, as we're doing now this year, we're praying this beautiful prayer that um, consecrates our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. And I think that when you go back to the, to the, the source of all of the problems we have in the world today, the main source of it all, I believe, is the breakdown of the family. And I'll tell you what, I saw a one of these memes on Facebook. You know, there's a picture with a, a phrase or a, or a title or something on it. And it was inside of a subway or a bus, and it showed a an old, a very old woman holding on to the to the pole. And the, the bus was or the subway car was packed, and the very old woman holding on to the pole during the subway ride. And in front of her were said the, the subway car was packed where the, the picture showed three very young people, teenagers, early 20s, with their earbuds in and their phones in their hands, completely ignoring uh, their, the old older woman there holding on to the pole. And I right away was brought back to when I made my first solo bus and subway trip to New York when my mom and dad finally let my brother and me and our friends take the bus from New Brunswick to Manhattan to get on the subway to go up to the Bronx to Yankee Stadium to go to the ball game. And my mother was a very classy woman, and she said to me, she, she mentioned the word chivalry. I had never heard it before. She told me to be chivalrous, and she was telling, and I didn't understand, and she said, well, what I mean is if you're on a bus or a subway and it's crowded, and there's an older person standing up or a, or a woman, you get up and make sure you offer them your seat. That was that was a strict rule. <laughs> Are we teaching the kids that anymore? I don't know. Let's pray. We've got to pray. So let's 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 consecrate our families to the Holy Family right now, my friends. Wherever you're watching, listening, however you're participating in the program today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O Blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. 
May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous towards those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And we'll pray our prayer to St. Michael and also the beautiful Subtum Presidium prayer. Holy Father asked us to pray um, specifically with the intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And today, my friends, and we've been praying this intention for many, a few months now, we also include in this prayer to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, I thank you, as always, for praying together in, the, in a special way today. Uh, let's pray for our country. Um, this is the last full day of uh, his presidency, President Trump, and um, I put it on our Facebook page from the National Catholic Register, and I guess um, one of his outgoing actions, President Trump, um, let's see, I put two things on here, actually, um, the proclamation on National Sanctity of Human Life Day. So this is, um, it was issued today, and I'm just going to read to you the statement from the president. This is last day in office. He wrote, every human life is a gift to the world, whether born or unborn, young or old, healthy or sick, every person is made in the image of, holy image of God. The Almighty Creator gives unique talents, beautiful dreams, and a great purpose to every person. On National Sanctity of Human Life Day, we celebrate the wonder of human existence and renew our resolve to build a culture of life where every person of every age is protected, valued, and cherished. This month, we mark nearly 50 years since the United States Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision. The constitutionally flawed ruling overturned state laws that banned abortion and has resulted in the loss of more than 50 million innocent lives. But strong mothers, courageous students, and incredible community members and people of faith are leading a powerful movement to awaken America's conscience 
and restore the belief that every life is worthy of respect, protection, and care. Because of the devotion of countless pro-life pioneers, the call for every person to recognize the sanctity of life is resounding more loudly in America than ever before. Over the last decade, the rate of abortions has steadily decreased, and today, more than three out of every four Americans support restrictions on abortions. Since my first day in office, I've taken historic action to protect innocent lives at home and abroad. I reinstituted and strengthened President Ronald Reagan's Mexico City policy, issued a landmark pro-life rule to govern the use of Title X taxpayer funding, and to and took action to protect the conscience rights of doctors, nurses, and organizations like the Little Sisters of the Poor. My administration has protected the vital role of faith-based adoption. At the United Nations, I made clear that global bureaucrats have no business attacking the sovereignty of nations that protect human life. Just a few months ago, our nation also joined 32 other countries in signing the Geneva Consensus Declaration which bolsters global efforts to provide better health care to women, protect all human life, and strengthen families. As a nation, restoring a culture of respect for the sacredness of life is fundamental to solving our country's most pressing problems. When each person is treated as a beloved child of God, individuals can reach their full potential. Communities will flourish, and America will be a place of even greater hope and freedom. That is why it is my profound privilege to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life, and it is what uh, and it is what motivates my actions to impose our nation's adoption and foster care program, secure more funding for Down syndrome research, and expand health services for single mothers. Over the past four years, I have appointed more than 200 federal judges who apply the Constitution as written, including three Supreme Court justices. Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Comey Barrett. I also increased the child tax credit so that mothers are financially supported as they take on the noble task of raising strong and healthy children. And recently I signed an executive order on protecting vulnerable newborn and infant children, which defends the truth that every newborn baby has the same rights as all other individuals to receive life-saving care. The United States is a shining example of human rights for the world. However, some in Washington are fighting to keep the United States among a small handful of nations, including North Korea and China, that allow elective abortions after 20 weeks. I joined with countless others who believe this is morally and fundamentally wrong, and today I renew my call on the Congress to pass legislation prohibiting late-term abortions. Since the beginning of my administration, I'm sorry, since the beginning, my administration has been dedicated to lifting up every American, and that starts with protecting the rights of the most vulnerable in our society, the unborn. On National Sanctity of Human Life Day, we promise to continue speaking out for those who have no voice. We vow to celebrate and support every heroic mother who chooses life, and we resolve to defend the lives of every innocent and unborn child, each of whom can bring unbelievable love joy, beauty, and grace into our nation and the entire world. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim January twenty second, 2021, as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. 
Today, I call on the Congress to join me in protecting and defending the dignity of every human life, including those not yet born. I call on the American people to continue to care for women in unexpected pregnancies and to support adoption and foster care in a more meaningful way so every child can have a loving home. And finally, I ask every citizen of this great nation to listen to the sound of silence caused by a generation lost to us and then to raise their voices for all affected by abortion, both seen and unseen. And then just writes in witness thereof, I hereunto to set my hand this 17th day of January in the year of our Lord, 2021, and of the independence of the United States of America, 245th, Donald J. Trump. So that's declaring National Sanctity of Human Life Day this uh, coming Friday. Um, right? Is that Friday the 20th? Yeah, the 22nd is Friday. Um, so, again, to this on his last day in office, um, we uh, pray for President Trump and his family uh, for standing up in, in so many ways uh, and throughout his presidency for life. Um, we also pray for the incoming president, President Biden that the Holy Spirit will open his heart to those same sentiments that were observed and practiced by his predecessor. Because we understand, as he himself has said, I'm trying to find it here, I, I don't think I can find it, uh, but uh, President-elect Biden has said that he's just going to reverse pretty much all of what President Trump uh, put into place. So, we have to pray for the new president and all those elected officials who will be running our country over the next four years. And, you know, and that's not a political statement, by the way. I got a couple of emails one time, and I, I just, I just read you factual, just a declaration by the current president. And uh, the fact is that that's what he wrote, and that's what he declared, and he's our president today. And. Uh, has been for the past four years, and our n new president coming in tomorrow uh, at noon. Um, let's see. Let's just pray. Pray for him. Pray for his heart to be. Now we've seen many pictures of uh, Vice President or President-elect Biden um, attending his Catholic church, attending Holy Mass, or at least going in and out of the church. They haven't had cameras in the church. Thank you for that. Um, but let's pray. That if he's going to Mass, that he, the Holy Spirit is working on his heart and he's open to that. And I'm, I can't comment on his, I don't know where he is in his faith. He, he, he goes to church, goes to Mass, and receives communion, which there's a lot of controversy about that as well. So it's just the whole, you know, the whole thing, what we have to really be most... <laughs> concerned about is is what can we do you know especially as catholics in this world we all have a call we all have a mission every one of us i i i'm very blessed that the lord asked me to do what i'm doing it's not easy all the time it's 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 and has had as many many challenges in the course of our existence here at domestic church media but I tell you what, for as many of the of the very frightening times, and I'm going to say frightening because there have been some scary times in the, in, in running this apostolate, more so in the beginning than now, but they, we still have them. 
we still, you know, we still um, count on divine providence and your generosity to keep us here. And there, you know, but in the beginning, there were some very frightening times where we weren't sure if we would be able to continue. Um, but I wouldn't, we wouldn't change it for a thing. I, I love, I, I love, I would say, I find it very invigorating when we're on this little roller coaster ride of ups and downs. On Sunday, Holy Father Pope Francis, in his, um, I guess it was his, his Angelus message, yes. He said, the greatest joy for every believer, so this includes you too, not just those of us who are in apostolates such as this, but as we've been talking about, you know, there's the apostolate of the laity, and everybody has a mission. Well, the greatest joy for all of us, all believers, Pope Francis said, is to respond to God's call. So listen to these words from Holy Father Pope Francis, and then when we come back to the second half of the program, I'm going to go to um, uh, uh, another organization called Catholic Missionary Disciples, and they've come up with 12 marks of discipleship. So we'll go over those as well. Because really now, we have our marching orders. You know, we really do. We, we, uh, we are called to stand up and speak out for Jesus in the world. We are his feet, his hands, his eyes, his mouth, <laughs> his voice. The well, Holy Father said, there are different ways of carrying out the plan that God has for each of us, which is always a plan of love. And the greatest joy for every believer is to respond to this call, to offer all of himself at the service of God and his brothers and sisters. The Holy Father said that each time that God calls someone, it is an initiative of his love. Now, remember, keep in mind now these words that God calls us. Remember Jesus said, it wasn't you who chose me, but I who chose you. God calls us. He's constantly calling us, every one of his children. Holy Father said God calls to life. He calls to faith. He calls to a particular state in life. God's first call is to life, through which he makes us persons. It is an individual call because God does not make things in sets. Now, maybe we have some twins and triplets out there who may, may say, wait a minute, but no, you're each individual, you know that. Then God calls us to faith and to become part of his family as children of God. Lastly, God calls us to a particular state in life, to give of ourselves on the path of marriage or that of priesthood or the consecrated life. And the Holy Father then offered a reflection on our Lord's first encounter and the call of his disciples, Andrew and Simon Peter, in the Gospel of John that we heard on, on Sunday. Pope Francis said the two follow him and remain that afternoon with him. It is not difficult to imagine them seated asking him questions and, above all, listening to him, feeling their hearts inflamed ever more while the Master spoke. The Holy Father said the sense of beauty of the words that respond to their greatest hope. And all of a sudden they discover that, even though it's evening, that light that only God can give verse within them, when they leave and return to their brothers, that joy, this light overflows from their hearts 
like a raging river. One of the two, Andrew, tells his brother Simon, whom Jesus will call Peter when he meets him, we have found the Messiah. And, you know, I think there's that, that gradual understanding, revelation in every person's life. Now, you know, we grow up, those of us who grew up as cradle Catholics, you know, we, we learn about our faith from the very beginning. You know, we're, we, I know in my home growing up, my mother had these two framed pictures of Our Lady of Grace and another one of our Blessed Mother. And um, many of you have, and we do too in our own home, you know, have images that remind us of, of our family. And I'm talking about our, our heaven, heavenly family. And we have pictures, of course, of our earthly family as well. But it's just who we are. But there still comes a time, I think, in an individual's life when you reach that point of in your own faith journey where you say, I have found the Messiah. I've found Jesus. And it sets us off on a, on a, a roller coaster ride of faith. It sets us off with great joy. It sets us off uh, many times, you know, just going out. I think there's nothing more exciting to see than a, a individual, an individual who has converted to Catholicism, who was a, you know, raised in a different faith and then goes through RCIA and comes into the faith and really is excited and living their Catholic faith and they're just filled with the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are cradle Catholics, we've had that all along the way from the moment of our infant baptism to our first sacraments, and, and you know, we, it's just part of who we are. But Holy Father said that God always, God's call is always love and should always be responded to with love. He, he said, faced with the call of the Lord, we, which can reach us in a thousand ways, even Though people, ha happy or sad events, sometimes our attitude can be one of rejection. No, I'm afraid. Rejection because it seems contrary to our aspirations. And also fear because we consider it too demanding and uncomfortable. Oh, I won't make it. Better not. Better a more uh, peaceful life for me. Uh, God there, I'm here, the Holy Father said. But God's call is love, and we must try to find the love that is behind every call and respond to it only with love. And I go back again to, was it last week that we, six, two weeks ago, we celebrated the Feast of the Epiphany, and we think of those three kings and, and how the reflection we shared with you from in conversation with God, Father Francis Fernandez, said that others probably saw that star. They saw the same star, but they didn't follow it because it would have been too inconvenient. I don't want to leave now. I have other things to do. It's going to be a tough journey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they uh, denied themselves the most uh, incredible encounter that they could ever have imagined in this life, that of coming face to face with Jesus Christ in the manger or in the home by the time they got there, in the home in, in, uh, in, in Nazareth. When I embarked on this journey of apostolate, this particular apostolate, domestic church media, back in the early 2000s. Uh, there were people who thought I was crazy. They thought, you know, you can't, you can't do that. And I began to think, well, maybe I really can't do that. And there were times in the beginning when I thought I shouldn't have done this because it doesn't seem to be working out the way I thought it was going to work out. 
But God always sent me something or someone or a sign that said what my spiritual director would refer to as signal grace, go with it, follow it, my own little star, I suppose. And as I said, I, uh, for as, as many uh, difficult times as we've had in this work, even then, it's been with great joy that we, because I enjoy, I enjoy the challenge. <laughs> I enjoy, I was telling someone the other day, who were we talking to? Um, I forget, but it's been kind of a, a characteristic of mine. Some might call it a character flaw, but I see it more as a, as a, as a, as a character strength. If someone tells me that I can't do something, that you're not capable of that, or there's no way you could do that, I always think, oh, yeah? Don't give me that challenge because I'll prove to you I can do it. <laughs> you know, it's been that way since I was a little kid. You know, my father would always tell the story when I was learning how to ride a two-wheeler. I was five years old, and my two older sisters had their bikes, and I wanted to learn how to ride a two-wheeler. And he took me out on the bike and... You know how our dad does, and put some on, put your boy on the seat there, and you know, run alongside, you know, just to get him used to. And I would always say, "Don't do that. Let go." He'd get me started, and, and inevitably I'd fall down. I'd go down on the ground. And no helmets in those days, no shin guards, no padding. Just <laughs> boy to concrete. That was that's <laughs> that's how those days went. And I could see my father cringe and turn around when he let me go, knowing, "Oh, this is going to be a disaster." But I, I said, I'll do it myself. I can do this. And I did. There was one time, finally, eventually, where he said, okay, let me go. And I just kept going. You know, and that, that, that spirit that, the, God, that the, the Lord gave me, that Almighty God gave me, is a spirit that has really been a, 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 uh, an advantage, I guess, in a way, in, in apostolate. Because people would say, you can't do that. Oh, yes, I can. I can do this with God's help, not by myself. And good people like you. And that brings us all great joy. So listen for God's call. Listen for that call in your life, whatever that is today, and respond with joy. When I come back, 12 marks of discipleship. Ooh, let's take a look at that. Be right back. Don't go away. Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com.
Hi, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In prayer, do not do all the talking. If you went into a doctor's office, you would not rattle off the symptoms and then rush out. How did you learn to speak the English language? You learned to speak by listening, did you not? How does a scientist learn the laws of nature? By imposing laws upon nature? No, he sits down passively before nature and says to nature, now you reveal to me your secrets. So we are not constantly to be yapping in prayer. Sacred scripture says, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. We often change that. And we say, listen, Lord, thy servant speaketh. In prayer, therefore, we must not only speak, we must also listen. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Catholic monasteries are centered around a rhythm of life they call ora et labora, prayer and work, and they keep a strict schedule to preserve that rhythm. If a monk is writing a book and the monastery bell rings for prayer, he'll drop his pen mid-sentence and go to prayer. It's a poverty of spirit with time. Lord, my moments aren't mine, they're yours. You know, that same poverty is in your life. When the kid cries for a diaper change, that's your monastery bell. When it's time to pause and pray, stop thinking about what you gotta do next, it's always gonna be there. Just pray. You gotta work overtime? Do it. Whining doesn't change a thing. When it's time to go home, drop that pen mid-sentence, stop checking your email, and focus on your family. You're in a schedule you can't fully control, but when you get intentional about focusing on where you are, offering each moment to God as it comes, you still face the daily grind like anyone else, but unlike anyone else. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. From Titusville to Tom's River. Bluebell to Barnegat. Rumson to Roebling. Washington Crossing to West Long Branch. Farmingdale to Flemington. Spring Lake to Stockton. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back on this lovely January 19th, 2021. Cold day, but nice day. January, mid-January. Can't beat it. No snow, no ice, no slip, no fall. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. So, and hope you're enjoying it. I was listening to, to Chris Stefanik there, you know, when he was talking about when, when, when 5 o'clock rolls around, put your pen down, get home and focus on your family. As a baby boomer, me... We're probably the only generation, not the only, I should say, we're probably the last generation to really experience that in a work environment. We're at 5 o'clock, if you worked a Monday through Friday 9 to 5 job, at 5 o'clock, 
you'd be able to go home and that was it. We didn't have, you know, when I first started working um, out of college and I graduated in 1977, first I was a teacher, then I worked for FedEx. There were no cell phones. There were no uh, emails to be reading all day, all night long, looking through. You know, you'd leave your job at 5 o'clock on a Friday, and that's the last you had to worry about your job until you got there 9 o'clock on Monday. Nobody's going to email you. Nobody's going to call your cell phone. You know, and I remember when I was at FedEx, and it probably was 19, oh, maybe 1993, 92, when the company allowed us now on our own home. They'd give us a personal computer to bring home so we could read emails in the evening and on weekends. It wasn't just FedEx. That's what everybody was doing. Boy, was that a big mistake, right? Because that now we're, we, we don't really just work 9 to 5. <laughs> we work. Uh, and I don't mind. This is not work. This is apostolate, you see. So I love this. This I don't mind doing this. I'll come over here on, on weekends because Jesus is here. I spend some time with the Lord, too. Um, but, yeah, those were uh, very, very uh, life-changing um, things that happen, right? It just it really just changed the way we live. Because when, when I first, and you, those of you who are my age and older, when we first started working, you know, you left your job and that was it. You didn't have to worry about it. We weren't reading emails at night or on weekends. By the way, speaking of my earlier days, um, those of you who are my age, and I know we have listeners that I grew up in the New Brunswick area here in central New Jersey um, and went to St. Peter's Grammar School and St. Peter's High School in New Brunswick. Uh, I understand today they're demolishing the high school building <laughs> across the street from Robert Wood Johnson Hospital, and they bought the property and taken down the building. And I remember, this is how old I am, because I remember when that building opened in 1970, <laughs> when they were building it, and now they're demolishing it 50 years later. So those of you who are St. Peter's alum, kind of a sad day. You know, the high school is is no more. I mean, it had closed for a number of years, but now the building itself is gone. So life goes on, right? Uh, let's see. You know, if you have any virtual events that are going on, I know there aren't many live events happening, uh, but we do have our bulletin board set up, as we always have. And if you have virtual events, you can still post it on the bulletin board. We're happy to post that for you. Uh, you know, who knows when all of this is going to end? You've heard a lot of things, people saying, by September. <laughs> When last year, a year ago, when it all started. Uh, but uh, anyway, if you have events, virtual events going on in your church or parish or school, put it on the bulletin board and we'll be, we'll be happy to post it there for you. you know, that's part of our mission here, our apostolate, what we do. So there is this uh, website uh, called Catholic Missionary Disciples, CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com. I had never heard of them, um, and let's see, they are, it's just, it's, it's an evangelization organization, which is great, calling us all to discipleship, and they have on their website here 12 marks of discipleship. So we talked about 
in sharing with you the words from Pope Francis, uh, responding to the Lord's call brings great joy. Uh, listening for that call, we're all called by virtue of our baptism to be disciples in the world, and the world needs Christ's disciples today more than ever, I believe. I really do believe that. More than ever. Because the world has turned its back in so many areas of life on the Lord. You know, as I said earlier, if you look at the the, 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 the current culture, be the, the violence, the hatred, the lack of integrity, the, 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 the lying, the deception. Of course, we know who the prince of the world is, so... But Jesus came into this world, defeated sin and death. You know, Satan is defeated. He knows that. There's no way he's going to win. And these few skirmishes along the way here in this life, we we find ourselves faced with on a regular basis. But we are still called as disciples of Jesus to go out. Remember Jesus' great commission to go into the world, go out into the world. So we are called to discipleship. And here are some... This is from uh, CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com, 12 Marks of Discipleship. I'm going to try to make my screen go bigger here. I'm just shrunk. <laughs> now I can't read it. Come on. Let's see. I got that. A little bit more. Okay, there we go. <laughs> technology, technology, technology. Uh, let's see. Center it out here. There we go. Okay, first one, disciples are called. Uh, Luke 5, 1 to 11, perfectly illustrates this. God always acts first. Jesus came to the fishermen and gave them an invitation. It was only after this invitation to discipleship that our choice matters. Jesus has called each of us. The next step is, and the second mark, disciples intentionally respond to Jesus' call. Well, again, getting back to what our Holy Father said today, that we do that and it brings great joy. First of all, again, the Lord calls us. It was Jesus who said, you did not choose me, I have chosen you. After we are called, then a disciple must respond positively to that call. If Peter had not dropped his nets and followed Jesus, he would not be a disciple. You can't follow if you don't make a choice. Discipleship is never inherited or accidental. The Lord will call you. You have to keep your heart and mind and ears open for that call. The next mark of, a, of discipleship, disciples love. This is a primary mark of a disciple. Love of God and love of others. Jesus says that others will know we are disciples by our love for one another. And this is why, my brothers and sisters, I get so disheartened when I see the dissension, division, polarization in our church. We are going to have differences. We will not always agree on things. The apostles didn't agree on everything. They had their their backs and forths. (laughs) 
But if we allow that to, con- to, to permanently separate us, splinter us, and divide us, that's what happened 15 uh, or how, what was it? 15, the, the Reformation. Then we see the, the denominating into other uh, Christian uh, religions. We are called to love. Why did the church, the first century church, grow? Because everybody gave what they had to each other, and Scripture says, see how they love each other. So disciples love. The primary mark, love of God and love of each other. And Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So think about that the next time you're arguing with a member of your parish about something that really isn't that important. (laughs) Disciples are fruitful. In fact, Jesus says that being fruitful proves you are his disciple. And he quotes, there's a quote from John 15. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Disciples are obedient. Go a little farther in John 15, and you find in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Notice we can't be intimate with Jesus and be disobedient. It's a non-starter. You know, disobedience to the church in, in, in ways of faith and morals is a sure sign the devil is behind it. And we have to be very, very careful, even, even as far as you know, some of the alleged apparitions. You know, I, I, this is my own personal charism. When it comes to the church-approved apparitions, Lords, Fatima, and all the others, wonderful. I think the message is real. The message is, is the church has said it's worthy of belief. I don't have any, any issue with that, obviously. But it's not the catechism and it's not the Bible. All it is is just a reaffirmation of that. That's why the church says it's worthy of belief. <laughs> if it in any way disobeyed church teaching or questioned church teaching or put doubts about church teaching, the church would say, well, there's some things here that aren't right, so we're just going to put it aside. And also remember, when it comes to those things, I'm talking about the approved apparitions. I'm talking about Lourdes and Fatima and and uh, um, Our Lady of Guadalupe and, and all of the, the approved uh, apparitions. The church also says they are worthy of belief, but they don't make it necessary to believe. In other words, you can say, I don't, you can literally say, I don't think Our Lady ever appeared at Fatima and still be a good Catholic. The church teaches that. We don't encourage that, but the church says you don't have to believe it. It's just worthy of belief. It's a very discerning because we'll know by the fruits of the work. And certainly there have been enormous fruits from Lourdes and Fatima and 
Guadalupe, etc. That's why the church deemed them worthy of belief. So God, you know, we, we accept that. Disciples are taught, another mark of discipleship. In Scripture, we constantly find the disciples of Jesus learning from him. They listen and then implement the teaching in their lives for at least, uh, or at least attempt to. We, too, have to follow this model. The life of a Christian disciple is one of lifelong learning. And that's so true. You know, that's why you listen to Catholic radio, whether you do it intentionally or not. You want to learn. You want to have reinforced to what you already know, and you want to build up who you are as a disciple. You want to uh, learn more about your faith. You know, one of the most common—we first went on the air with Catholic Radio in this area many years ago. We used to receive a lot of comments from people, as we still do, but some of the most—one of the most common uh, comments that we would receive is, I've learned more from Catholic Radio in the three months that I've been listening than I learned in 30 years of—or three years of—or 10 years of Catholic education. And that's not a knock on Catholic education because I was a Catholic educator, but I know what we were teaching back in the 1970s and early 80s. And it wasn't really a lot of, a lot of meat and potatoes. It was more like uh, cotton candy, feel-good stuff. Well, we give you, as, and this is why we, you know, our, our, our spiritual director, our spiritual patron, uh, Archbishop, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, one of my favorite quotes, and we've used it throughout the years. If you want people to remain the same, tell them what they want to hear. If you want people to change, tell them what they need to know. In other words, don't just tickle their ears. So we have to constantly desire to learn and be taught in our faith as disciples. Disciples follow. The word disciple means follower. All of our life of discipleship starts with following Jesus. We must do as he did, love as he loved, choose what he chose. And then from Luke 8, soon afterward he went on through cities and villages preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Follow the Lord. Follow his lead. Choose what he chooses. Love as he loved. Disciples keep an eye on heaven. The life we live now is not our final home. In fact, we are made to live with God forever in eternal bliss. Still, this heavenly home is determined by our decisions in this life. The prize of heaven is a gift we must keep our eyes on so that we don't lose the eternal perspective of God. You know, we can talk all we want, about politics and the direction of our country and where it's going, where we want it to go, where we don't want it to go. And these are good things. We should. We, this, is our, this is our earthly homeland. And we should, especially in this country that is a, a, a government that is of, by, and for the people. And we must never forget that and never give that up while we are here. But, ultimately, we are citizens of heaven. That is our final destination. And discipleship always 
makes us keep an eye on that. This is all important, and we want to live righteously and, and charitably and with love and provide for our families. And, and, and of course, this is the greatest country on the planet, but we know that we will not be here forever, nor will any other person, including presidents and congressmen and senators. They're all going to die, as are we. And ultimately, our citizenship is that in heaven. This one is important. Disciples carry crosses. Discipleship is not easy. Jesus puts it this way. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We should never forget that suffering is a part of discipleship. It isn't merely about feel-good emotions and good times. You know, this is, and I, sometimes we, we, when we hear that scripture from Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It, it means discipleship means that there is going to be and will be, are going to be many crosses. We're no different than the master. Disciples spend time in prayer. If we do what Jesus did, then we need to live in intimate relationship with God. Constant prayer. And that doesn't mean sitting down formally with your bravery or your favorite prayer book or the Bible. Prayer is, and you heard, you know, uh, um, again, going back to the little spot we ran by Chris Stefanik before we were on break, you know, he talked about the, the, uh, uh, the uh, changing a diaper <laughs> can be a prayer in effect. That's your monastery bell, you know, where you call. I remember I used to say they used to sing that when I was changing diapers when my kids were little, you know, when uh, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, that you did unto me. When my diaper was dirty, you changed me. <laughs> you know, every parent knows that. Disciples love and serve God and others. Think of the many times the disciples were called to serve. Jesus commands his 12 to be the ones to serve the crowds at the breaking of the loaves and fishes, to heal the sick, to drive out demons, etc. The life of a disciple isn't about you. We're called to serve and bring the joy of Jesus and the love of Jesus to as many people as possible so that our numbers grow. You know, Jesus didn't begin this church 2,000 years ago for there only to be 1 billion in it while there were 7 billion people in the world. That's where we are right now. Jesus founded the church so that all people <laughs> would belong to this church and be members of this church. So there's a long way to go. And the 12th mark of a disciple is disciples make other disciples. Ultimately, we need to do what Jesus did, which means to make disciples. This was his final command and the one we cannot avoid personally. You know, as a parent, you're called to be the first herald of the faith to your children. You're, for, you're, you're called to be a disciple to your children and to make them disciples. Think about, and I, you know, as I shared with you in the past, uh, one of my sisters uh, has been very good about keeping up with Ancestry.com and has traced the Manfredonia family back to the mid-1700s in uh, Avellino Atrapalda in Italy. 
And so think about that. Seven, mid-1700s, 300 years ago almost, uh, and we're still Catholic. I'm sure they were Catholic <laughs> in Italy, uh, central Italy in those days. And the faith has been passed on from family to family to family, generation to generation to generation. There have been many falls away, I'm sure, um, those who have fallen away. But the faith is still here. And so it's our family, our parents, that make disciples of their children. But even beyond that, outside your home, you know, going out, reaching out, just by how you witness to how you live your life, just by how you witness to how you practice your faith, how you talk about your faith. You know, when I, when I hear about, read about, see people in our own church backbiting and pointing fingers and judging and, and dividing, no one wants to join that church. No one wants to join a church that's tearing itself down. No one wants to join a church that's miserably arguing with each, with each other. They're going to go somewhere else. And shame on us then. We want to open up the doors to all people, and in truth, teach and share and love and bring them in to encounter Christ and his church. So disciples make other disciples, and that's what the world needs right now. Many, 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 many more disciples. So that's up to you and me, my friends, and we mustn't avoid that. We have to understand that, accept that, and work with it. Okay, my time is up. I'm going to be back tomorrow, God willing. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for being a part of my day, and uh, have a beautiful one. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.